Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths of life leading to resurrection. The consequence of sin and death to the human race from the beginning involves spiritual death first, then ultimately physical death. And once physical death takes place, there's eternal death if you're not right with God. Man's unable to save himself. He's saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I deserve hell, but God gives me an option to go to heaven if I believe in what Christ did for me as he died in my place personally. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In law, medicine, and statistics, cause of death is the condition or conditions officially determined to have resulted in a human's physical death. However, in Scripture, we're made aware of the lethal condition of spiritual death, spread to all men from the first man Adam on resulting in eternal separation from God. And whether physical or spiritual, dead people cannot help themselves. The simple truth is, our eternal salvation is but a gift of grace. As Romans 8, 1 assures, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's join Pastor Xavier with our special message for Easter, titled, Life and Resurrection. What I want to do is speak to you on... The, um, what the Bible says about life, death, that leads to resurrection. So let's begin with asking some questions. Where did life and death have its beginning? Secondly, we want to say and ask, what were the consequences of sin and death to the human race from the beginning? And then we'll finish off with the question, what can man do about sin and death in order to live as God intended from the beginning. Let's begin here with the question, where did life and death have its beginning? Again, Genesis, the book of beginnings. In Genesis chapter two, as you know, the origin of life began there in the garden. It a beautiful garden that God made. He created the garden, put Adam and Eve in it. He gave them all the provisions there in chapter two. He said, of all this in the garden you can eat, but one thing you cannot eat. Wow, that's all we need to do, right? Just that one thing. We have everything, but that one thing just go, makes you go crazy. And so God informed the day they would eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die in chapter 2 of Genesis 16 and 17. Now, that wasn't a threat. That was just an information. The warning to them was that in the day that you eat, dying, you shall die. The literal Hebrew says that, and it's so accurate. Now, after the fall, the minute a baby is born, though we go celebrate its birth, we, we really are witnessing the beginning of his death. The origin of evil and temptation began also there in the Garden of Eden through deception. The enemy and the rebel Satan, as you know, in chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, he engaged in conversation with Eve and her thoughts and her curiosity enticed her to carry that conversation on. Satan challenged God's word, has God indeed said, you shall not die of every, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Has God said that? The enemy then challenged God with wanting to control and limit their potential in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 3. Satan straight out contradicted God's warning, the promise of death, you shall not surely die. And so this is the lie during life through Satan. You can do this, that, and get away with it. And sometimes, you know, we do it, and nothing happens. We go, all right. But it gets you later on. If it doesn't get you now, be patient. It'll get you later. You can't escape sin and its consequences. Nobody. 
The woman ate of the fruit in Genesis 3, 6. She saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, you know, it attracts us, captivates us. She saw it was pleasant for the eye, the lust of the eye, it draws us, it, it lures us in. And she saw the desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, thinking that I can make that choice, I can do this, and I'll be okay, I know what I'm doing. And the truth of the matter is that we, we don't know what we're doing. Most of the time we just want to let people think we know what we're doing, but we really don't. Because God's the only one who knows how to live life. She ate of the fruit in direct obedience to God, and then she gave to her husband. And he ate willfully. So Eve was deceived, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, but Adam transgressed. He knew exactly what he was doing. Therefore, the fall is attributed to Adam, not to Eve. First, he's the federal head of the human race. He was created first. Secondly, he did not oversee his home. He's responsible for that headship and for the whole human race. From Genesis 3 on down to 5, God pursued his children. They didn't come to him. Immediately when they ate, spiritual death took place, fellowship broken with God. Death began immediately. It didn't show up till later on, hundreds of years later. But it began right away. And if God tarries, I will die one day. But only physically. I'll be instantly present before the Lord. Every person will stand before Christ if they're not born again and have to give an account for everything they ever thought and did. Wow, that is scary. Life and death had their beginning in the Garden of Eden. It could have been like that forever. It was a choice. Secondly, what were the consequences of sin and death to the human race from the beginning then? The obedience of Adam as the federal head of man was recognized by God as acting and affecting the entire race of man. Romans 5.12. Sin came in by one man and death through sin. There's no other way we can explain death. It's through sin. One man. He's the federal head. Through one man, sin into the world and death through sin. As Romans 5.12 said there. Through Adam's fall, death spread to everybody. And through Adam, that physical death began. And that spiritual death took place Instantly, instantly. And yet Adam lived 130 years and he begot sons in his own likeness after his own image, fallen image. So in other words, every young baby that was born after Adam was just like Adam, a little sinner. Even your child that might be 10 months old, a year and a half, and you try to correct them as innocent as they are from our perspective, don't do that. And it's the first time they just look at you. And then, and then they'll, they'll, before they're going to get it again, they go like this. They know that's wrong. They're rebellious. The result of being a race of fallen men and women then is that all have fallen short of the glory of God. None merit up to it, Romans 3.23. All are called children of disobedience. We run according to the course of the prince of the power of the air. We are called the children of wrath in Ephesians 2.2 2 and 3. This is God saying this about us, okay? Because if you're going to love somebody, you have to tell them the truth. We are said to be without Christ, having no hope without God in the world. One of the darkest descriptions in Ephesians 2.12 in the Bible. We're called children of the devil in 1 John 3.10. We're capable of the most horrific things. We can lie, we can cheat, we can betray the closest person to our heart. We can commit adultery. We can betray a nation. That's our potential. There's not one 
that's good, except we're all good for nothing. We're all under sin, guilty before God. The United States government, as you know, is called a federal government because it acts on behalf of the people. And the federal government makes certain decisions for you and I that we, they never call me up and say, hey, X, what do you believe? What do you think we should do this? They don't care. They act, and I re, I'm the recipient of the consequences, whether it be taxes, war, whatever it is. Well, when Adam acted, he acted for the whole human race. Even though I think it's unfair, it isn't. Because now I have a choice to make the same decision. Do I want to remain in the first Adam, or do I want to trust the last Adam who died for me and rose from the dead? I have a choice to turn it around now. I have a way out. I have no excuse. Each person has to examine the present explanation of man for the evil of the world. If the Bible account sounds more reasonable, it's because the Holy Spirit of God is showing you your need of God. Because the only way we can explain this world and the evil and the atrocities is if we believe those first chapters of Genesis. Then we understand why evil exists. So we don't have to try to sanitize it or justify it or explain it or say, well, he's dysfunctional. Well, you know, he had a bad daddy and he had a bad mommy. And, and, and we give all these lame excuses. No, it's because he's a sinner. Now, we have a potential for good because we're creating the image of likes of God, but our bent is towards evil. Darkness attracts you. Darkness attracts me. I have to resist that. Even after I'm a Christian, I have to put on the armor of God. I have to put on the spirit of God. I have to walk in the spirit. I have to put on the word of God. I have to put mind the Christ. I have to war, do the good warfare. But darkness attracts us because we're fallen. And so if I believe the record of Genesis, then the world makes perfect sense. It's ruined by sin. Though there is some good around it, but, you know, like take the internet. The internet's an incredible tool. Man. When my brother was a nom, I used to write a letter. It'd take me 30 days for him to get it, and not take me 30 days for him to get his. Mail it to Frisco, P.O. Box, over to nom. I just talked to my son in Afghanistan last night on my, on my iPhone. Great technology. But you take that, which is good, and all the corruption that is used for it, nothing wrong with the good. But the good compared to the evil, whew, the good's the tip of the iceberg. The evil's underneath. Much bigger. Now, is it because we're good? <laughs> Absolutely not. The consequence of sin and death to the human race from the beginning involves spiritual death first, then ultimately physical death. And once physical death takes place, there's eternal death if you're not right with God. Thirdly, then, what can we do about sin and death in order to live as God intended from the beginning? This is the good news. The resurrection, Easter. Each person individually has to recognize the grace of God about what he says about man and salvation. So I agree with God. I don't argue with God. I don't teach God. I agree with God. Man's unable to save himself. He's saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I'm saved by hearing the gospel. All fall short of the glory of God in Romans 3, 20. Therefore, I deserve hell. 
but God gives me an option to go to heaven if I believe in what Christ did for me as he died in my place, as the father poured his wrath out on his own son for me. He represented me as a federal head. He literally tasted death and died in my place personally. And he did that because my heart is evil, desperately wicked. Isaiah tells us that very, very clear. And therefore, if, I, if I'm going to have a change of heart, I need to go through the new birth that Christ gives me. As he told Nicodemus, you must be born again or you'll never see the kingdom of God. So each person individually has to recognize and agree that death is the result of sin. I agree with God from the beginning. The first 11 chapters of Genesis is the heart of the Bible. If you can believe that, you've got no problem with the rest of the Bible. If you believe the first verse, you have no problem with the rest of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the world out of nothing. He spoke in the beam. Can you handle that? You got no problem with the whale. You got no problem with the resurrection. You got no problem with God doing what he wants without violating people's will. <laughs> if you can speak everything to existence from a word, what a great place to put that first verse. Right in the first verse. <laughs> the beginning. Men have died from the beginning. Men will continue to die from if the Lord tarries. And men and women will enter eternity separated from God or to be with God forever and ever. It's a matter of choice. You don't land in hell or heaven by chance. It's a decision you make by choice before you leave here. Each person individually has to recognize then and agree with God with the plan that he's given, that Christ died in my place, that Christ became sin for me who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he is the propitiation for our sins, not ours alone, but the whole world. He satisfied the wrath of God in 1 John 2, 2. When he said on the cross, it is finished, he wasn't kidding. He signed it in blood. And he made it very clear. People say, well, you know, you Christians, the Bible, you know, you guys have all these, you know, it's, it's very confusing. It's, it's not clear. And it's a matter of your interpretation. Really? Okay. Well, let me ask you about three verses. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father by me. How many interpretations? Okay. How about Acts 4.12? There's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved, Jesus Christ. How many interpretations? Okay. How about 1 Timothy 2.5? There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. How many interpretations? Whoa, pretty clear to me. Pretty narrow to me. God's not politically correct. One way, one name, one mediator. Now, what's so confusing about the gospel? What's your difficulty? You know what it is? It's not your brain. It's your heart. You're not smart enough to have a problem with God, but you're evil enough to have a problem with God. Your heart. That's what keeps us from God. God has destroyed the sting of death, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Wow. He tastes of death for every man, Hebrews 2, 9. He destroyed him who had the power of death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, Satan knocked out all his teeth. Satan can only gum you. He has no power over you as a Christian. Each person individually has to recognize and agree with God that he has raised Jesus from the dead also. If he just died, then it's worthless. But he came out from the dead. He defeated death. He destroyed death. Peter preached at Pentecost, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 24. He says, God has raised Jesus from the dead, having loosened the pains of death. 
Acts 2.32, Peter said, God has raised him up, this Jesus, of which we are all witnesses. Acts 3.15, you killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Acts 3.26, to you first God has, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Acts 4.10, to the Sanhedrin, let it be known to you all that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucify, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here whole. And to the house of Cornelius in Acts 10, 40-41, it says, Him God raised from the dead on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. The resurrection is the cornerstone of the gospel. You get rid of the resurrection, you've got no gospel. That's not a good news. It's just another philosophy, another system of religion. You know, when you get a ticket on the freeway, how offended we get that the policemen. We even say, well, why'd you stop me? There was two guys beside me who were going faster. So because you were not going as fast, that means you're less guilty? We're great, aren't we? Or how about if you tell the policeman and say, you know, I, I, I never read that in the vehicle code. And he goes, this your, this your mug here on this license? Yeah. You got to take a test, right? Yeah. You're responsible for the vehicle code. Here's your code, ladies and gentlemen. That's what God's going to make you responsible for. You're not going to be able to say, I never knew that. Oh, really? No excuses. We're busted, man. Royally busted. Each person has to make a decision whether the Genesis account of the fall is accurate, recorded truth by God, or it's just a silly little story to try to put fear in you so you just don't enjoy life and you just look always over your shoulder in fear of God. One of the two. If you believe it, you will experience life to the fullest. You won't escape difficulties in life. We're all in there. But we don't be transformed differently by the power of the gospel. That means I believe the invitation in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Now, if God sent that invitation to the world, and the world means everybody, not the chosen frozen of, of Calvinism, okay? He died for everybody. If God didn't die for everybody, then God's lying. And you cannot substitute the word, the world, for the word elect, the way Calvinists do, or Reformed theologians. All right? I'll give you a simple test. Let's go to John, 1 John 2, 2. If we can do that and God accepts it, it should work out. He was the propitiation for our sins, ours the believer, and not only our sin, but the elects also. That's duplicity. He died for the whole world also. That means everybody's without excuse. That means you choose where you spend eternity, not God. If you think God chose you to go to hell without a chance, then that makes God unholy, unjust. Can't be good. It has to be horrible. Here's your son. You're going to go out and eat. You say, okay, what do you want, kid? McDonald's, Taco Bell, or Northwood's Inn? He says, Northwood's Inn. He says, no, we're going to win our sizzle. Is that a choice? That's no choice. Are you going to accuse God of giving you a choice and then taking it away from you 
and denying it to you? And I can't tell you when, where, or how, but before you die, you'll have at least one chance. This may be it. The thief on the cross, I don't know if that was the first or the last, but for sure it was the last. Every person will be busted on judgment, especially Americans. We have no excuse. Every document of our government, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, everything. You ever been to Washington? Pretty soon they're going to have to blow up all the monuments to deny our heritage because scriptures labeled all over every monument in Washington. We are busted as a nation, as a people. Guaranteed. If you're not for me, you're against me, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30. Pretty heavy words. It's up to us where we spend eternity. If I disagree with the biblical record and with what God says, he gives me the freedom of choice. But I cannot escape the consequences. If I agree with God, then he bestows upon me the benefit of his love. He makes me new. He forgives me of my sin. He buries me in the deepest ocean. He makes me his child. He gives me a new nature. He gives me a new spirit. Allows me to live. But I have to depend on him. I'm not a robot. And he will be faithful. And it comes through the gospel. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 12 says. Time flies. Invest your life in Jesus. It gives great returns. This is what man can do about sin and death in order to live as God intended from the beginning. I thank God I came to the Lord when I was 23. I wish I would have come to the Lord when I was three or four or five. But thank God I came when in my early 20s. I look back 42 years, I look at some of my friends, see their life now, man, not pretty. Payday hits about 50, 60, close to 70s. Everything comes home. This is what the Bible says about life and death. It leads to resurrection. You will rise from the dead. The question is, will you be in the first resurrection or the second resurrection? Will you walk into the kingdom of God and spend eternity with Jesus, or will you be separated from Jesus? That's your doing, not God's. Life and death have its beginning in the Garden of Eden. It could have been so great, but it didn't turn out so great. That's where everything began. The consequence of sin and death to the human race from the beginning were spiritual first and physical. And you can carry that throughout man's history from the beginning. It's never changed. The only thing that man can do about sin and death in order to live as God intended from the beginning is to repent from our sins as we hear the gospel, to ask him to forgive us and to make us his children, transforming my heart and my mind. And it comes by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, the gift of God. I mean, you talk about such an incredible way that he made. He didn't violate his holiness. He made an actual payment. And he can really be reconciled back to sinners by the work of a son who would have changed your heart. Wow. We have the greatest thing to sing about, ladies and gentlemen, as Christians. Nobody else. I pray if you don't know Jesus, you open your heart to him. He sure like to see you go to heaven. He don't want to see you go to hell. He died for you. Why would you want to go to hell when you can go to heaven? 
It makes no sense. Pastor Xavier Reese, tracing both the cause and cure for spiritual death with today's encouraging simple truths of the risen Christ. Now copies of this study are available, as always, on CD for just $4. And if you'd like to request one for yourself, or perhaps pass one on to someone else you know, simply ask for the title, Life and Resurrection. We'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well, when you ask for the CD, Life and Resurrection. Request yours by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And on behalf of Pastor Xavier and all of us at Simple Truths, we wish you and yours a happy Easter and invite you back for more Simple Truths right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.